You're listening to Norfolk's only black-owned and operated radio station. 1350 WGPL Portsmouth. Good evening, Hampton Roads. You are tuned in to the Family and Marriage Clinic with your host, Bishop Carl Hodges. We say good evening, Bishop. Episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Welcome to our United States listeners and welcome to our international listeners as well. If you're listening by radio in Southern Virginia, you found us on WGPL 1350, WPCE 1400, that's on your AM dial, and you can also find us on your FM dial at WBXB 100.1. We're also heard on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And for your sake, if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, you can find my podcast by searching The C.D. Hodges. Search The C.D. Hodges on iTunes or that little purple podcast player icon on your smart device. You will find Marriage and Family Clinic. That way, listen to our history. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your marriage relationship dynamics. I definitely hope to help you identify what makes you tick in your relationships and ultimately help you to repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and your family relationships. You know, it just dawned on me before we get going here. It just dawned on me that I haven't said anything concerning the pandemic in several weeks now. But I do want to encourage everyone. I want you to be encouraged. This too shall pass. Be encouraged because God sees, God knows, God hears your cries. He knows what you're going through. I'm telling you something out there. You may be at your wits ends. You're tired of staying at home. You can't see family and loved ones like you wish. You can't even go to church like you've done all of your life. But I want to encourage you just to continue to hold on. We will understand it better by and by. And it's going to be better than that sooner than the sweet by and by. So I just want to say to all of you enduring the pandemic, let's hold on to God's unchanging hands. And let's get going on tonight. Uh, Tonight's episode, I want to do part two of domestic abuse. This is part two of domestic abuse, probably be the last installment in this series. But let's go ahead and deal now with the second installment on the subject of domestic abuse. I want to keep working with this subject because I think the problem is probably more prevalent than we realize. And even if the problem of domestic abuse is not as prevalent as we think it is, I'll bet you we would probably be surprised to find out some of the relationships where domestic abuse really does exist. You would be surprised to find out a bunch of people who look really well on the outside. They have mega problems when they go home. And that's because a domestic abuser does not wear a sign on his or her forehead that says, I'm an abuser. You know, I remember watching uh, Tyler Perry's uh, movie, watched some of that, uh, Tyler Perry's Family Reunion, and uh, uh, what's his name? Blair Underwood. He played an abusive husband in that movie. He was a professional, a lawyer, as a matter of fact, uh, had what appeared to be a, a picture-perfect marriage. He played the role out in public, but at home. He would hit, he would push, he would slap. 
uh, his wife. He would deny her uh, income and money, so forth and so on. Some things that we're going to talk about as we talk about uh, domestic abuse tonight. But what I'm saying to you is that no one realized that he was a domestic abuser and couldn't believe it when they found out because you cannot identify an abuser by looking at them. And this subject is important also because the National Institute of Health reports that domestic abuse, particularly violence, particularly violence, and that's going to be my lean tonight also, that has risen since the pandemic started. Portland, Oregon reports a 22% increase. San Antonio, Texas reports an 18% increase. Jefferson County, Alabama reports a 27% increase. And New York City reports a 10% increase. Okay? And, uh, and I asked myself the question, well, why would domestic abuse, domestic violence increase during the pandemic? Well, we're not allowed to travel about as we would, and people are compelled to spend more time together. And so where situations may have been stressful before and you could relieve the stress by going to work, could relieve the stress by going out on the town, you could relieve the stress by leaving the house and doing any number of things, there, the, the numbers of ways that we have to relieve stress are reduced. So we have to deal with it, and we have to deal with each other. And some folks are not equipped to deal with this. And hence, they, they act out in inappropriate ways, as we've said already, to resolve their conflict. All right? And so be aware that domestic abuse, domestic violence, it's on the rise. And I'm presenting this subject to raise our levels of awareness and hopefully prevent and resolve some of this behavior that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, as we told you last week, our working definition of domestic abuse. Domestic abuse is when one person in a family directs some type of abusive behavior to another family member or family members in order to resolve conflict, overpower, and control another person or persons in a family. They want to dominate the relationship. And so there's some sort of conflict, be it a husband and wife, uh, parents and child, child and parent, uh, or elderly, child and grandparent, whatever the case may be. Who's ever living in the domestic situation there? And I'm restricting this to domestic situation here because this is about marriage and family. This is not about shacking up. Uh, this is not about living together. This is not about all sorts of living situations that we have. I'm speaking with regard to marriage and family. And so when you have one person in the family who wants to control relationships, who wants to dominate relationships, who sees it as their mission in life to be in control of other people. Whenever conflict arises, they engage in some sort of abusive behavior to maintain and regain control and domination in the relationship. And I don't want to mix words whatsoever. I want to eliminate all ambiguity whatsoever. Uh, when I tell you this right here, domestic abuse is wrong. It's inappropriate. It's unacceptable. It's in effect sin. There is no place in a relationship for abuse. So whatever the genesis of the behavior may be, 
it's just wrong. Wherever the behavior comes from, whatever happened to us in our childhood, whatever happened to us along the way in our teen years, in our young adult years, in our later years, whatever happened to us, domestic abuse is just wrong. There may be treatment for domestic abuse. There may be other ways of tending to and correcting and resolving domestic abuse. But the bottom line is domestic abuse, it is wrong. And the other important point to remember is, as we discuss this subject, is the fact that I'm using domestic abuse in the context of the family, like I already said, the family setting, because anybody in a family can be a perpetrator. Understand this now, anybody in the family can be a perpetrator of domestic abuse. Normally, when we reference domestic abuse, we expect to see a woman, or excuse me, we expect to see a man or a husband abusing his wife. But domestic abuse may occur between any of the family members, not just the husband and the wife, and not just the husband on a wife. Plenty of wives are domestic abusers also. And certainly a husband hitting his wife is domestic abuse, but that's not the limit to domestic abuse. Parents may abuse children. Uh, parents, uh, I saw on Facebook a couple of days ago, uh, type amen or do something if your mom ever whipped you with these items. And there was a belt, there was a switch, there was an extension cord, there was a broomstick, there was a shoe, all of these things. And I put down there, this and these and then some. And some of you all know what I'm talking about here. Seems like some of us had some mothers that would... Uh, that would uh, issue corporal punishment with all sorts of items around the house there. But listen, if you believe in corporal punishment and you're using all types of items, sticks and stones and switches, if you're using all of these items to dispense corporal punishment to your children, you had better be extremely careful. You just may have slipped into abuse already. Please understand that. So when the legal authorities, when law enforcement, when child protective services come after you because you're beating your child with an extension cord with a broomstick, don't be shocked and don't feel bad. Don't say God said uh, 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 spare the rod, spoil the child. Don't say all of that. I'm telling you that it's abuse. There is a way to dispense corporal punishment if you believe in corporal punishment. But I want to make that abundantly clear. Domestic abuse, domestic violence is way more than just a husband hitting a wife. It works both ways. Anybody in the family, any member of the family can be in a domestic abuser. And here's another point I want to make abundantly clear. Not only is any form of domestic abuse wrong and unacceptable, but any form of domestic abuse is also the result of the abuser's lack of ability to handle conflict because of his or her emotional immaturity. So if you are the domestic abuser, if you are the victim of domestic abuse, if someone in your family is an abuser, understand this. The abuse is the result of the abuser's lack of ability. He or she doesn't have the ability to handle conflict. They're too emotionally immature to handle conflict. And they resort to acting out violently and engaging in abusive behavior in order to deal with those emotions that they're so afraid of. 
And abuse is always about the abuser's attempt to control and dominate the relationship. And I want to make this abundantly clear because I'm going to say this again in a moment, but I'll say it right now. Also, there are a lot of people who are in abusive relationships and you're afraid to leave. You're afraid to even label it abuse. But I want you to know something. It is abuse. And I'm encouraging you to stand up and get yourself some help. There's no need of you being crippled, hurt seriously, injured terribly, permanently, possibly, and ultimately, unfortunately, losing your life because you are afraid to label your domestic abuser as an abuser. Abuse is always about the abuser's temp attempt to control and dominate the relationship. And we opened this up pretty good last week, and I don't have time to do it again. So if you want to hear or need to hear the root cause of domestic abuse, you can listen to my podcast from last week. Again, you can find it. Just go to iTunes or just go to that little purple podcast player on your smart device and search The C.D. Hodges. The C.D. Hodges. I, I'm sure it'll benefit you. Now, domestic abuse never looks like domestic abuse when it first begins. No one ever identifies the inappropriate behavior as abuse the first time there is an episode, an episode, an episode. Every time the abuser abuses you, it's an episode. Most likely nobody calls it abuse or labels it abuse because nobody ever thinks they married an abuser and certainly nobody thinks they gave birth to an abuser. Nobody wants to admit they're the mother or the father of an abuser and nobody wants to admit I married an abuser. I should have been smarter than that. Most of us want to think the best of our family members and especially our spouses. So at that first, second, maybe that third or fourth outburst, we still conclude that this is not abuse. It's something else. He just lost his temper. He had a bad day at work. And another thing that presents a particular difficulty is the fact that an abuser never appears to be an abuser. I told you that. The abuser never appears to be the abuser. He or she's the professional. They dress in nice suits every day. And the abused person is under a lot of stress and strain because to get any help, they're going to have to convince somebody else that their abuser is actually an abusive person. But everybody that they're going to talk to especially their friends, loved ones, church members, other, other people, everybody that they're going to talk to is going to know the abuser as a professional, possibly as a churchgoer, unfortunately sometimes as a deacon or a preacher, as a lawyer, a doctor, any profession. And so there's a lot of weight, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of strain in the heart, in the soul of the abused person because they're stuck, they're feeling stuck by themselves, they're feeling stuck at home, in the corner by themselves, they feel like they don't have any resources, don't have anything to help them, don't have anybody to help them, and on top of all of that, they're going to have to convince somebody that this person whom everybody knows as Mr. or Miss Do-Right is actually an abusive person. That's a lot of weight for the abused person to carry. That's just a lot of weight for the abused person to carry. But I want to let somebody know today, you can make a difference in your situation. You're going to have to stand up.
all right? Now, listen, watch this. Here's how it go. A husband punches his wife the first time. She chalks it up to him having a really hard day at work or being overcome by stress, the pandemic, or whatever the case may be. Or a wife strikes a husband and the husband is too ashamed to admit that his wife abuses him. Yes, he's bigger, he's stronger, he can knock her out with one punch, but he refuses to hit her. She's his wife. She's the weaker vessel, but she's an abusing vessel. And family members usually don't call the first few episodes abuse, either because the abuser usually expresses a lot of remorse. You know, they're really quick to say, I'm sorry. They'll say that in a heartbeat. I'm sorry. And this is all especially true in the case of a wife batterer. I, I wanna, I'm probably going to turn my focus here to uh, uh, wives being the victims of domestic abuse, domestic violence now, just for uh, uh, instructional purposes, informational purposes. So flow with me. But never forget, never forget that any member of the family can be the abuser. Just for the sake of time and, and discussion purposes, I'm going to lean towards a husband abusing a wife. And so when he abuses her, he's really quick to apologize. And this is really true in the, in, in, in the case of a husband. He apologizes profusely. He brings flowers home and then he takes her out to dinner. He asks for forgiveness and then he promises never to do it again and all of that special treatment she receives it feels good it feels sincere he sounds sincere this special treatment relaxes the tension in the relationship this special treatment relaxes her sense of awareness she puts her guard down these actions of contrition raises her hopes that the abused person is not an abuser and will change. For us church folks, it really sounds like the abusive person has repented. And because it sounds so good, it feels so good, because it sounds so sincere, because she gets the warm fuzzies from it, the wife cannot see herself not accepting his apology. What kind of a Christian would I be if I did not forgive him? Well, I tell you what. Forgiving him and sticking around to be beat, those are two totally different things. But because she cannot picture herself not forgiving him, maybe trying to be a good Christian, a God-pleasing Christian, God-fearing Christian, she forgives him. And I'm not going to have time to deal with this, but I want to tell you something here. There is a difference in forgiveness and standing around to be beat on. Those are two separate things. You can forgive the perpetrator. You can forgive the abuser. But something must be done about the abusive behavior. There must be repentance. Because here's the deal, folks. It's going to happen again. And each time it happens, the abused person goes through this chain of events, goes through this emotional chain of events, this emotional roller coaster. 
And each time it happens, the abused person sinks deeper into a psychological and deeper into an emotional quagmire that convinces them that they are stuck and they have no way out. So know that if it happened once, there's a 99.999% chance it's going to happen again. If it happened once, it's highly likely that it will happen again. You may as well count on it. You may as well count on it. And listen, folks, couples, they're going to have disagreements. Couples are going to have arguments. They're going to have conflict. They're going to have fights. But if your fights turn physical, you're probably in a relationship with an abuser. And it's only compounded when you add alcohol to the mix. You know, I have never seen anything good or worthwhile come out of alcohol use. And I know a lot of Christians don't like when I say this, but, but I, I praise God and I really appreciate this, the teachings of uh, uh, the quote-unquote sanctified churches. We teach abstinence from alcohol. Abstinence from alcohol. Because if you have a problem, a psychological or an emotional problem, alcohol use is only going to exacerbate that problem. And if you happen to be a Christian who believes it's okay to drink, be careful because you're going to exacerbate any existing problems. So if alcohol is involved, it's going to get worse. If you formulate it, listen... If you have formulated a strategy to prevent uh, from exciting a particular family member because you know things can get ugly very quickly, you're probably in a relationship with an abuser. If your level of tension rises or if you feel fearful when your husband or wife comes home, you're probably in a relationship with an abuser. If you find yourself repeatedly making excuses for your family members' unacceptable, violent outbursts and episodes, you're probably in a relationship with an abuser. If you find yourself hiding or using makeup to conceal bruises, you're definitely in a relationship with an abuser. You're in a relationship with an abuser. And let me, let me just run off some behaviors here that should make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. If I'm, if I'm touching the cord with anybody, if I'm knocking on anybody's front door, if I'm in your living room, you need to shout amen and you need to make up in your mind right now that you're going to get yourself some help. If you're in a relationship with a person who engages in the following behaviors, you should be alarmed. The person calls you names insults you and puts you down nothing you do is ever good enough your cooking is not good enough your 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 housekeeping is not good enough the person prevents or discourages you from going to work or school they don't want you to better yourself they're trying their best to dominate the relationship by keeping you in a rut don't want you to seek any type of self-improvement any type of self-growth a person who cuts you off from seeing your family or friends you're definitely in a relationship with an abuser. Isolate you. A person tries to control how you spend money. Or worse, will not give you access to money. You have to ask for money to buy your pantyhose. You have to ask for money to get food. You have to ask for money to get your, 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 your needs met. Whatever your needs are as a woman. I was about to say something, but I don't want to. 
If you have to ask for money for every little thing, every single thing, the hairs on the back of your neck should stand up. When a person acts jealous or possessive and routinely accuses you of being unfaithful, you might be in a relationship with an abusive person. Definitely if they threaten you with violence or a weapon. If they hit, kick, shove, slap, choke, throw you down, otherwise hurt you, inflict harm on you, a pain on you, use physical force to manipulate you. You're in a relationship with an abusive person. If this person forces you to have sex or engage in sexual actions or acts against your will, make you want to do sexual acts that you don't want to do. It's against your will. That can be rape. Wake up, wake up. But you're definitely in a relationship with an abusive person. If the person you're in a relationship with blames you for his or her violent behavior or tells you something crazy like you deserve it, how in the world can you deserve to be abused? Nobody but nobody deserves to be abused. Physically, emotionally, neglect, nobody deserves to be abused, especially when you're married to them or you're the parents of them, or you're the children of them. Listen, these signs and many, many, many more, these are telltale signs of an abusive relationship. And if you find yourself in an abusive relationship, I cannot stress this. I cannot stress it enough. You need to take action. And time is of the essence. If you're in an abusive relationship, I cannot stress it enough. It's extremely important. It is imperative that you get help. And whatever you do, at least form a plan. At least form a plan to deal with the abuse. And everything that I'm telling you and so much more, you know, you can look online and find this information and everything. But I think it's a good idea to make it uh, public and speak about it again because so often... Uh, 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 the situation is psychologically debilitating and an abusive relationship becomes emotionally and psychologically debilitating and it makes you feel like you have no hope. So I want to say these things again. So in your plan, here's some tips for you. You need to be in relationship with a spiritual leader. You need to be in relationship with a spiritual leader, a pastor who can advise you, who can counsel with you, who can pray with you and pray for you. Abuse is first of all a a spiritual problem. And then make sure you know how to call 911. Practice 911. Have someone you trust close by. Know, have your friend on speed dial, a friend you can trust, a loved one you can trust, a neighbor, a co-worker, your spiritual leader. Have them on speed dial. Know how to call them. There is, there's the domestic violence hotline. 800-799-7233, 800-799-7233, 800-799-SAFE. Call the hotline for crisis intervention and, and referrals to resources such as women's shelters. Speak to your personal doctor or health care provider about it. Not only will they treat you medically, but he or she can also, uh, they may be able to refer you to a safe house or, or other local resources to assist you. Legally, restraining orders, etc., etc. 
other services. Find out whether or not there's a local women's shelter or crisis center near you. Locate and communi communicate with legal advocates, support services. Don't be afraid to use counseling or mental health services because this will wear away at your mental abilities. <clears throat> you may be in an abusive relationship and you're the only one in your circle who doesn't realize or accept the fact that you're in an abusive relationship. I know it can be hard to accept because it's the last thing you want to be real about. I just want to remind you that God did not make anyone to be another person's punching bag, to be knocked around, or doormat to be walked on. You may also ask the question, how long should I stay with an abusive person? Should I divorce a man or a woman who is an abusive person? Listen, this is an extremely difficult predicament you're in. It should never be taken lightly. And if you do have someone in your circle, and if, the, if there's someone, if you're in an abusive relationship, you, you, you shouldn't listen to just anybody who has a quick answer for you. Don't listen to people who can just rattle off their tongue. Well, well what you should do is so-and-so. And certainly don't listen to anyone say what I would do if I were in your shoes. They're not in your shoes. You have your life to think about. You have your life to consider. You must take charge of your life. Because whatever you do, if you follow their advice, they're not going to take you in and feed your children when you're homeless. So don't listen to someone just rattle off information. And neither will they pay for your funeral if you get killed. Herein lies the reason you need to be in relationship with a pastor. And don't be afraid to use counselors. You want to be able to avail yourself of God's wisdom. You want to be able to avail yourself of God's wisdom. And you know, I think that abuse may have been more tolerable in uh, uh, generations past because so many women especially didn't have the means to care for themselves. Folks, we're living in a different day and time. You can make it. And I'm not just throwing some words out here. I don't want to be callous and treat your situation frivolously or, or, or trivially. I'm not trivializing your situation. But you can and you will make it. Once you deal with your pride, you will make it. Hey, I, w I wish I could go on talking about this, but I'm out of time for today. Uh, I've been talking to you about domestic abuse. And you got to wake up if you're in a domestic abusive situation. You got to wake up, smell the coffee. You got to lift your eyes to the hills. Now, your help doesn't come from any hill. Your help comes from the Lord who sits in heaven on high. But you got to look to him. You got to pray. You got to seek the Lord. You've got to seek out wise counsel. You got to make sure that you're knowledgeable of all your resources and your helps. And you're going to have to bust a move. Listen, I'm out of time and I've got to get out of here, but I appreciate you joining with me. Again, if you want to hear this or any other episode or broadcast, just go to iTunes or check out that little purple uh, podcast icon on your smart device. Go in there, search The C.D. Hodges. You will find us. Appreciate being with you. Look for you again next week until then i'm out always remember that you can't have peace unless you surrender your life to the prince of peace god bless you i'm out family and marriage clinic with your host bishop carl hodges you can tune in every tuesday at 6 p.m on your station for praise wgpl 1350